Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome everybody to the Last Lap Podcast. I am your host Andrew Pearson and alongside me, as always, and on his own this time, it's Sean Gray. <laughs> All by myself. <laughs> Hello. No, copyright strike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all alone this week. Well, other than yourself, obviously. <laughs> Indeed. And that's pretty much alone, so yeah, that's that's fair enough. <laughs> it's like, we were going to make a wrestling joke there right off the bat, which didn't... <laughs> um, Nah, I just uh, just 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 ignore me. Just ignore me. Talking rubbish, <laughs> talking rubbish like the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, yes, that we just had to experience. We uh, we don't have any guests on because we couldn't find anybody who actually wanted to talk about it <laughs> or had anything to talk about. It was was pretty much yeah, pretty much the case. Uh, as is Monaco's won't occasionally. Uh, we'll we'll throw up races like this. Um, it wasn't devoid of things to talk about, was it? Really, it's just. It, it's it funny because of them really, I guess. It, it was actually kept me interested all the way to the line because they were so tightly grouped on the on the track. You know, there was only five, six, seven, eight seconds split in the top four or five. So because they were so tightly grouped on the track, at least right till the very last lap, you were like, well, you know, they're so close on the track that if something does happen, it'll happen in a big way. You know, if someone makes a mistake or somebody hits the wall or somebody puts a just thinks there's no sod it i'm going for it and shoving one up the inside coming out of the tunnel or something from miles back so you were kind of like well is this going to be the lap where it happens is this going to be the lap that's going to happen so when you were actually watching it live there was it was kind of you were still kind of intrigued and it was only after the checkered flag wave that you thought in hindsight that was absolutely rubbish because nothing <laughs> happened <laughs> So, yes. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst live experience for me. I've watched races where more has happened that I've felt like didn't keep my interest. You know, mm-hmm. um, it just just looking back on it now to discuss it, you go, well, what actually happened? Nothing. It was it was a dud. But it almost I'd rather this than those kind of races where lots happens in the first five laps, and then there's sixty laps and nothing, and literally nothing, and then lots happens in the last five laps, which you, we've seemed to get quite a lot of these days. Whereas at least that this was just kind of like, is it going to happen? But didn't all the way through. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the, the 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 nature of one stop races tends to be a bit more like that because yeah, um, you know I hate them. I absolutely hate yeah. Passion. Um, but they they it, it kind of especially on on a track like Monaco where the one stop where there's so much pressure about that one thing you you are reliant on other things happening to try and sort of shake things up and and make people do different things Um, a a safety car mid-race was kind of fundamental and it just didn't come so yeah not great uh and and before it started there was the threat of rain and i was just thinking oh we could have a you know even a damp monaco would be would be interesting haven't had one of those for a little while damp would probably be you know changeable conditions as opposed to just rain you know, all the way through. Then, if it came in, came in little spurts, and you know, kept things interesting. You know, but it didn't. It just didn't transpire. I was on my way home before the race, and I seen someone put on Twitter, 
rain in the air and that got me all excited i said to my friend as we were driving home i was like oh there's partly there's rain in the air in monaco this one's going to be good i literally <laughs> said that in the car this one's going to be good and uh, so it's your fault really is that i've completely it? jinxed it for everybody involved <laughs> <laughs> but i mean um, i've seen a few people say on twitter that qualifying was probably the most interesting part of the weekend and they're probably right you know so you should probably start there with danny rick uh well, I guess it starts in free practice three, really, doesn't it? Because yeah, that's true. we we ultimately lost um, the 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 fight fight for pole. Of um, course, yeah. With with Verstappen going off, in it's a in a near carbon copy of his incident. Um, yeah. Was it? I'm not sure if it was the pre the, the last year or the year before was, where he. I, th- I think it was two years ago. But I'm open to be corrected on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, he's, he's he's touched that wall. On more than one occasion now, hasn't he? So yeah, he's done the done the done the right wheel on the inside to um, uh, it's a swimming pool, isn't it? Swimming pool, isn't it? Yeah, in the swimming pool chicane, and then just gone. Uh, I mean, once you've lost one wheel at that speed going into there, you're you are you're just finished, heading into yeah. the the outside yeah, barrier. So if you clip um, it coming in the way, it just completely does the suspension right away, and you just fly over the curbs and straight into the wall, which is exactly what happened to Max. <laughs> Um, it's not the, good for Max, given the it's every week we're talking about Max and a mistake, isn't it? So it doesn't do him any good when uh, it seems that Ricardo is being more consistent about bringing the car home in in decent positions and seems more reliable about. Yeah, they're uh, the in the pudding, and he's won twice this year, and Max hasn't. Eh? So, well, yes, and and uh, I guess potentially. Um, in Baku as well, um, it seemed course, like yeah. Ricardo was faster, and it was you know um, s- somewhat down to to Max's choice to to be aggressive on the defence and take them both out um, rather than bring the car home. Which you know he's a young guy; I don't want to get on his case too much. He um, there was a brilliant tweet. I, I wish I could remember who tweeted it, but it was it was a driver from. From somewhere else, tweeted. Um, it's such a shame seeing Max Verstappen seemingly find it difficult to deal with the pressures of F1. If only there were junior formula that he with a ladder <laughs> system that you could go through to learn before you stepped into the car. Uh, I just thought, yes, that's exactly it, isn't it? He's 19 years old, has not won a championship in any single seat of formula before Formula One, and here he is in a you know not necessarily a championship winning car, but in a potential race winning car, um, and Interesting he's, point for sure. Yeah, he he's not had the chance to, you know, have the education of a lot of others of, of going through, and you know, mm. you can you make the same kind of shift, especially if you get a chance to do something like F two, um, where you drive a lot of the tracks of, of the Formula One cars, so you actually get some experience about driving around in the same sort of conditions and being yeah, in and around the race weekends and stuff. I think it all of that little education helps avoid some of those mistakes. The, you know, there's a reason why. Um, you know, as as slowly as he seems to be driving, while Stoffel Van Dorn isn't making those same kind of mistakes, and I think it's because he's had the the education about driving going up to this. People may say that Max is more talented and faster, and you know that's that's your decision to have. But you don't, you know, you, you can see it in the guys that um, have come up through the ranks that they tend not to arrive with the same kind of bad habits that Max has turned up in F one and is is demonstrating seemingly now week in week out 
Well, you look at someone like Charles Leclerc, who we yep. compared him to last week, and I said at the time, I thought Leclerc had every chance of becoming a world champion before Max, which you know would have surprised lots of people six months, 12 months ago, maybe surprises a little bit less now. And he did the he did exactly what you described, and that that experience in F two or GP two can't can't be undervalued. And and Leclerc now he'll do the customary one year at a lower team, and then possibly in the Ferrari next year. And who knows? Uh, you know, he could be a world champion within two years, three years. Well, Max is going through his growing pains. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and and. I said what I meant last week with Leclerc, and I reiterate it. I think there's no reason why he won't be a world champion before Max at, at this point. I, I continue to be impressed with Leclerc. And, yeah, I'm, I completely agree with what you're saying, really, about the about the idea of going going through the junior formula and just how, how, you know, how much value that actually offers. Um, but Max will... I think he will come out the other side. There's a lot. I mean, a few people saying things like, "Oh, Willie, is there's a genuine, real threat of demotion?" I don't think that is the case. I think he's. I don't know if Red Bull would allow no, themselves, would they? No, at this point? I, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, with Danny Fiat, yeah. he was making the same mistakes for sure, similar style mistakes, um, almost you know, almost exactly the same. To be honest, you know, mm-hmm. tagging walls, clipping, tackling with. Yeah, guys like Vettel and things like that. Exactly the same sort of career trajectory. And um but Max seems as we've discussed in the in the past, has got this cult of following. The cult of Max seems to have built him up a bit more of a and a buffer to, to to negative feedback within the team. Um, I guess that's the the Dutch thing, isn't it? Because um I think with the with with the with a Russian driver like that, that there's not the sort of great historic motorsport, you know, sort of pedigree coming from, Absolutely. from Russia. In fact, in fact, Max has his dad um, yeah. every week, will help as well, or help, you know. Like the, um, but with the Dutch, I think they've been waiting for a long time to have, you know, it's, you know, motorsport is, yeah. you know, is a passion in the country and they haven't really had anybody to sort of, you know, get behind and now they've suddenly got him and he suddenly, you know, it, it, it helps the, the hype train. Um, do you think then there's a, a case to be said at this point in the season with Max having the, the the year he's having and Ricardo having two victories in his pocket now after his excellent drive in Monaco? Do you think there's a case to be made then for Red Bull saying, like, listen, Max, you're having a tough year. You are now officially the number two driver just for the rest of the season. We're going to push Daniel for the championship. And... Because of your mistakes, we're not demoting you to Toro Rosso, but you're the number two. And if Daniel's faster than you, you will be asked to move over. We're going to put all our eggs on him. And then next season, we'll take it from there. But for now, this is what it is. Do, do you think there's a case to be made for Red Bull doing that? Do you think they should do that? I think it, I don't think it's a bad idea necessarily. And it, might, you know, and it might make him, you know, concentrate and say, right, okay, um, I'll do the brilliant at this, and then I'll show you what I can do. And the next season, you'll have no choice but to. Essentially, you're giving him a you're you're giving him a soft grosjean there, aren't you? Really, you're kind of taking him out for a season, but not out of a drive. You're taking him out of a you know title title winning. Although I don't think Daniel Ricciardo is going to win the title in a month of Sundays, but you know you're you're saying you're you know your your punishment for not 
being able to sort of pull yourself out of this whilst your teammate is doing it is that, you know, you now have to sit back and, and watch, you know, him get the preferences because he's shown that he can run with it. Um, use good use idea, the rest yeah. of the season well to to learn from your mistakes, get better, and then next season, you know, you get your chance. I think you're, I think you're right, and then that would be a good way to motivate him. Potentially, it's, it's the right solution. You know, you're not going to. You don't have to go as far as doing the Fiat and dropping him out of the team. Like you can't do that. You know, you just can't do that at this stage. You know? For all of his problems, that 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 would that would be a, a mad. I think a mad move to to do. But this would just just for the rest of the season, just to just to give him that little you know tick on the wrist and kick up the the backside that that, that he probably needs and. I just I, it looks to me like you get in a positive situation, you'll get a positive response out of Max. It takes away any threat of Red Bull doing a Baku again for the rest of the season, which nobody wants, and it gives Daniel Ricciardo. Not I agree with you. Not that I think he's got a particularly strong chance of winning the world championship, but if he did, it gives him all the support he needs. So it looked to me, it looks to me like the the way they should play it from here. But I think. I just, I still think there's a little bit in the Red Bull hierarchy that are like, oh, we don't want to upset Max. You know, we've got, there's a little bit of that coming from the likes of Horner and Marco. So I don't, I don't think they will do that. But if I was in Christian Horner's shoes, that's what I'd do. I'd just sit him down and say, look, for the rest of the season, you help Danny. And then next year, Danny's contract's up anyway. So that, that's a side issue. Next year, if we've got a championship winning car, you can have it. But this year, this is what we're doing. That's the way I would play it from here anyway. Yeah, I think I think it feel it does. It does feel like the best way of dealing with this. Hmm. He's got no points because he keeps binning it. So, like, for even from a just a, a, a championship constructor sort of point, it's of got view. kind of sensible, isn't it? Really, in that yeah. way. Plus, you're right. Actually, from a constructor's point of view, it, it, you know, if um, if the Mercedes and the Ferraris are gonna, you know, potentially be tangling up front and stuff, um, if they can get both cars home um, in. Um, something like third to fifth position every race whilst only one of the Mercs and the Ferraris is, you know, finishing in that, that sort of top two position that, you know, means that, you know, they could have a reasonable chance at, at running at the constructors championship, which would be, you know, at least interesting, interesting to see there, um, leaving the other two to sort of dogfight at the, at the, at the front. It just seems to me like a logical solution just for the rest of this season, you know, as you know, as you say, he's, he's what? How old is he now? 20? 19, 20? 19, 20, something like that. Still doing his apprenticeship, really. He hasn't done the F2 stuff that we, we talked about. So it, it seems like a sensible one for me from a Red Bull management point of view. But whether we actually get anything like that, I'm not I'm not convinced. I think that they'll continue to just kind of pussyfoot around the situation and hope that it, it kind of fixes itself without them having to, you know, have a backbone. <laughs> So let's let's talk about qualifying then, because that was the next step, really, wasn't it? For for a Monaco race, is who gets pole and, yeah, and then usually who wins the race, although I not mean, necessarily in the last few years. The story is, is with Max going in the wall. The story is the Red Bulls were the quickest package all weekend. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo, in particular, obviously, given Max was out, what was he first in all the practices and then also qualifying? I think Ricciardo, mm-hmm. and uh, was that a, a broken a broken lap record in qualifying? I think. Yeah. To boot. So, so yeah. 111. What was 
what do you reckon then? But what, what, why was the Red Bull so fast here then? What, what this from that from a sort of I mean, standpoint here? What do you think made the difference? It's still the 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 chassis stuff, isn't it? Um, and I think it as it kind of showed um, on on Daniel's run is that when the tires are soft like that and you don't need to lean on the mechanical grip because you've got aero grip, you you're kinder on your tires. You're not sliding. You're not you know, removing the surface. And I think that's ultimately what cost um, Ferrari and probably more so Mercedes was that um, their slipperier cars, I think in, in terms of like being better with lower downforce because they've got the power and that's what they're going for. So, so here I don't think it helped because everybody was saying, Oh, it's definitely going to be a, you know, whack on the super softs and go to the end of the race. And it, uh, not the super soft, sorry, the, um, the ultra, ultra soft uh, you know and those will easily do you know 30 40 laps or, or whatever it is to the end of the race um and it, it it seemed from about sort of i don't know lap 35 that everybody was saying nope left front's grained uh you know tires have gone away these aren't going to make it to the you know lewis was every other lap saying that i don't think these tires are going to make it to the end of the race um and i think that shows you where the difference in the cars is is that you know um, the rebel doesn't need that mechanical, so so it doesn't eat, eat up its tires, and therefore was able to sort of comfortably lead at the front, well at, at the front with. And the you know Danny Rick's tires looked immaculate, and then you the, you know they cut back to Vettel and Hamilton's tires, and they'd look very very secondhand, and they'd been on the the, the, the cars within you know one or two laps of one another. Mm-hmm. That's true, yeah, that's true. I mean, and we all know that that's what Monaco is about. Monaco is about you know how much downforce you can generate. Um, on on the car really rather than through anything else so that's Red Bull's forte isn't it we we know that that's where they excel that's why we know it will be probably Singapore before the next time we see them that was literally about to be my next point do you think it'll take to Singapore before they win another race or challenge for another race I mean they're not going to go to Canada and expect anything are they they're not going to go to Spa they're probably not going to expect much from Silverstone Um, Monza probably not Monza definitely not. not it's not you know yeah, no, that makes us, yeah, good points, yeah, for sure. Um, they might fancy yeah. some of the ones like maybe maybe Russia, possibly. Hun- Hungary, um, I suppose. And Hungary, yeah, it, Austria. Yeah. Austria, maybe, possibly. But that, again, that's still, that's because that's because that's a short circuit as opposed to it being a twisty circuit. So um, remember last year when the, the McLarens turned up and were actually, you know, semi-decent with the, the bucket of a Honda engine in the back because <laughs> because the, the the chassis was good and it and it, it allowed them to be fast through the the tricky section at the end even though they were losing out massively on the straights and obviously the Renault engine isn't you know missing as much as the Honda engine is so theoretically Austria might be a, a decent decent race for them but you'd still you'd still expect wouldn't you that the Ferraris and the Mercedes would be faster along the two two long straights there I would so. have thought so yeah I would have thought so. Um, obviously, Max in the wall didn't take part in qualifying. Danny puts it on pole, and we're kind of Ferrari just... closer than I thought they were going to be. It has to be said. Yeah, um... yeah. I think um, the vibe from the whole weekend was kind of Ferrari and Mercedes sort of just saying, "Like, we know we're it's not perfect for us here. We'll we'll take what we can get, what we can get, yeah, and get it with a couple of podiums or whatever. They'd be they'd be quite happy with that. And and obviously that's the way it transpired in the race. And and. And Seb and Lewis's um, post-race comments alluded to that. I think they, they were happy. They were happy to beat each other. You know, they were 
they were happy to let Danny have the have this one, and Seb and Lewis were just looking at each other. And obviously, Seb yeah, I think Seb went. You know, I got ahead of Lewis, so that cuts the deficit. Lewis yeah. went when he didn't win, so the the you know the gap that that was cut was only what like four points, something like that. So Seb took three points off of Lewis. Yeah, so. three points. Sorry, even so, you know, it's kind of like. It's it's your one all draw there, isn't it? Do you know yeah, what I mean? absolutely. You've you've actually got a situation there where Ricardo's happy because he's won. Seb's fairly happy. Lewis is fairly happy. Kimi and Bottas <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> Probably just think. went. Yeah, doesn't matter right. what they think, really. So, I mean, what you've got there is you've got a top five that have all gone. Well, this is actually quite all right for all of us, and then they've just trundled down for sixty laps, <laughs> and that's what's essentially. <laughs> put paid to us having any kind of entertainment Grand Prix because as soon as they jumped off the line, the whole top five were kind of content to just remain where they were. And in Monaco, obviously, it's difficult to pass anyway. And when you've got five guys who are all fairly happy enough with the situation, no one's going to take any risks, are they? You know, and it's before we talk about Daniel Ricciardo's power problem, before we've even mentioned that, I suppose. But, you know, the, right away from lap one onwards, it was like, okay, um, is anything going to happen here? Probably not. <laughs> and uh, thinking about it, you know, it, the fact that Max could only climb from back of the grid to ninth in the end, yeah, I think it kind of shows you, because usually you would expect somebody in a top three car to probably finish about sort of fifth, maybe fifth, sixth. They'd get back to just behind the top cars, wouldn't you? You'd expect them to be able to, to do it. But you could see that, you know, he was getting held up behind pretty much pretty much everybody to be um, honest it's it's a credit to max after you know giving him a bit of stick earlier it's a credit that he got as far as if he did really um because he did make two or three overtaking maneuvers you know coming out of the tunnel and that uh, on that circuit on this weekend that was they were like gold dust you know so <laughs> um it's actually a credit to max that he got as far up as he did um to be honest after he made a mistake and um, it's probably the as good a job as he could have done under the circumstances, I think. True enough. Uh, so, I guess, do we, do we talk about Danny Rick's power? Thing yeah, I suppose it... it's relevant, isn't it? That was about the only time in the race I thought, okay. That was the only time I leaned forward in my chair and, you know, thought, okay, What's Seb's going to happen next? Here, yeah. And then Seb, because I, I noticed it before Brundle and um, Crofty had, had, had called it, I just, the, the gap on the, the timing screens was like three or four seconds or whatever. And then it was a second really, really quickly. And I was like, I just lost a couple of seconds there in the last sector. What's that about? And that's, and then literally a second later, he was on the radio saying the power thing. I was like, oh, he's lost power. Excellent. And I'm leaning forward, having started to get bored after the first 25 laps or whatever it was. And and I thought, go on, Seb, this is the moment you've got him here. And he had maybe like a couple of laps where he was on his tail and I thought, go and get him. And then it stopped and it went back to two seconds a gap. And it was like, oh, well, that's it then. You know, he's he's either managing the issue now or Seb's burnt out his tires, you know, sniffing a, a potential pass. And and then and that, and that was really it. So we maybe had about two or three laps in total of, of excitement. And then Ricardo was able to just, I don't know, manage the situation, I guess, till the end of the race. And, and get for the first couple of laps, I thought, oh, if he gets this home from here, that'll be some drive. And as it, and as it went on, it was kind of like, oh, well, it's just it's proven to be, you know, fairly straightforward for him actually. Yeah, yeah, it's um, 
just the the wrong kind of perfect storm isn't it you know the guy loses power but not enough to make him utterly vulnerable on on the track the others behind are chewing up their tires so um by the time they've caught up even with the with the the loss in speed um and him probably fiddling with his dashboard for for two laps trying to get it to come back um they haven't got the 25% plus the tires to make it work and so all daniel has to be is quick enough around the two bits where he might possibly have been overtaken out of the tunnel uh, and then up the um into the um is it sound of what the first sound of what's the first corner yeah, yeah. i've walked so, the track yeah <laughs> oh yes yeah, so to true. bring that up after being there last year that's <laughs> the exciting but um Exciting bit of the weekend was me going, oh, I've been there, I've been there. I, re- I recognise that. That was about the most excited um, part of the whole race for me. But, ah, yeah, Sandy Vought's the, uh, the first corner. Um, so, you know, he had to be had to be quick enough in two places and was. Uh, and therefore, that, that was the kind of end of it. Um, and there was the, it seemed, seemed like that there was threats of that all up the top six, wasn't there, really? That, you know... Vettel caught up with Ricardo, and and then Hamilton caught up with Vettel, and then Raikkonen caught up with Hamilton, and then Bottas caught caught up with Kimi, and and Bottas was on the super soft tyres, so maybe they'll last, and he'll have grip with Kimi, and it didn't. Everybody seemed to be able to close up to win about a second, yeah. second and a half, um, and then that was it. They just went, oh, well, I guess, I this guess isn't going to be easy. I'm not going to bother doing it. I, know, I guess that's a result of the slow pace up front from from Danny that the whole field's concertinaed up then. He's, he's, he's going so slow to manage his, you know, A's engine problem and B, get the tyres home. And it's just resulted in, I think Lewis said they went, what, six seconds a lap? Sort of slower than he felt the the quickest the, the car had in it. So, and that's with the fuel burning off as well towards the end. So, it's, I suppose it's understandable that they're going to concertina up like that. And Ocon was coming at Bottas at the end and Gasly was coming at whoever he was in front of in the end. It's such a strange race that everybody seemed to bunch right up close towards the end, yet nobody could find any sort of way to get by anybody. Um, yeah, it was really a, just weird, you know. I guess that's Monaco in a nutshell, really. You're going to get that now and again around there. It was just one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not really much to say about that. I haven't got anything. I mean, I, I've got a couple a couple that just uh, popped into mind there, so not many DNFs, <laughs> but Charles Leclerc, horrible brake failure, comes steaming into the back of uh, oh, Brandon Harder. Yeah. That was, it reminded me of the um, Raikkonen Suttle one, where Raikkonen comes squealing down the outside and into the back of um, Suttle in the, um, was it the HRT? Mm, I'm not sure Suttle ever drove for HRT. I think it was... The Force India, then. I mean, it was, I mean, probably because that's who did most of his races for. Isn't I was going to say, I guess, well, from, a, from a balance it, of probability, it's probably a Force India was, but I'm not sure for definite. Um, the the one thing is, if you look at the replays of that incident, you can see that once Charles knows that his brakes have gone, he steers himself into the barrier on the right hand side. He doesn't just go, oh well, you know, brakes have gone. Yeah, brakes have gone. I'm just going to hit him. I know I'm going to hit him. He actually tries to turn as far right as possible so you know he's damaging his own car in some vain attempt that he's not gonna just clatter through the back of Hartley's Toro Rosso 
Um, the funniest thing about that was the the way that it left the rear wing on the back of his car made it oh, look yeah. like one of the sort of I, I, stock car things, didn't it? It looked mad. That's the first time I've ever really seen it look like that. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fascinating. I thought it looked yeah. kind of good, really. I'd quite like to have a sort of <laughs> F1 rear wing that was 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 tethered in the middle like that, rather than sort of at the at the sides. It looked quite cool, like a proper spoiler. Not sure the aero guys would love it. <laughs> no, no, this is design. true. How do you get downforce out of that? But um, yeah, I mean, I, I perked up at that point as well, and I thought, oh, we might get a safety car here, and something might happen, and then nothing happened. Still, so <laughs> they didn't even pit. None of the guys took a chance on pitting to go for the two stops because you know, as I said, they were all content where they were so even if even if none of them had any grip in the top six they were all on the same page you know so they all just drove around in formation not having any grip if one of them if, if Bottas or Raikkonen had just went you know what sod this I'm jumping onto a set of ultras with 20 laps to go find some clear air and see what happens they probably would have all panicked and all jumped in and we might have got a more interesting mm. last quarter of the Grand Prix but because they were all content to stay to remain stationary they might as well have just waved the checkered flag after half the race because none of them were going to make any attempt to change position and or, or they either weren't going to make any attempt or couldn't make any attempt because of the, the nature of the track and the condition of the tires and that to make an attempt it would have been too high a risk to risk where they were uh, the position that they're in so yeah just as you rightly said it was a perfect storm of every of nothing happening basically Talking about perfect storms, Williams. <laughs> God, where do we start? Has a team ever had That's the a worst, worst Grand yeah, Prix? The worst single performance for a whole team I think I've ever seen, genuinely. Like, I mean, I think there was a, I remember Sauber having similar, like gone like 15 years ago, like when there used to be Peter Sauber's team with green and blue and Pedro Diniz and... <laughs> That just, I, I don't. I mean, since then, that like, yeah, it's, it's, it's as bad as it gets at Williams. They have possibly hit rock bottom, and that's saying something given how critical critical I've been of them for the last however long. This is it was just from the start before the start, you know, with Sorokin on the grid, like amateur hour stuff. Like, when was the last time you seen that penalty get applied? Uh, it is, wasn't actually that long ago. I can't remember who it was though. Who it happened to? It was. I you know it was Ferrari. I right? think it was. Do you remember somebody? They somebody ran back on the grid to fire up the car again quickly. I mean, and then like, my memory for this sort of things a bit naff. So I'm yeah, sure but I'm, it was I'm, Ferrari. I'm sure you're probably right. Um, but it wasn't that long ago. So it was only <laughs> it was only a couple of seasons ago. I'm sure. And it would have I, almost certainly been Kimmy because he's the one that gets all of the bad yes, luck. <laughs> I'm, I'm almost sure it was. Um, but it was that's the last time I saw it happen. But that the the you must yeah it, it's such a it's like Brundle said wasn't it's it? It's, yeah, it's, it's a, a slam, slam dunk. dunk. Yeah, absolutely. There's no. If you've done it, then you've done it. You know, somebody was there standing there watching you <laughs> yeah, having three right. wheels on your wagon. <laughs> But as somebody rightly pointed out earlier, I'd seen on Twitter or something, and, and it was a good point, was that it's at the top at Williams that it's going wrong. It's at a strategic level at the highest point. But that filters down. That negativity is filtering down mm. all down the team so that just daft things start creeping in because it's the whole team just becomes a mess from top to bottom. And it, it, you end up with stupid things like that. Like just the most basic fundamentals of running a motorsport team going wrong because uh, the whole ideology and uh, strategic direction of the team is, is a bit a bit messed up from, from senior level and it's 
well, somebody, somebody's gone today, hasn't they? The Rero guy's gone. Um, oh, I missed that. His name slips my mind. <laughs> I think that is a man um, who is not getting a job anywhere else in Formula One. Dirk De Beer. <laughs> That's a cracking name. I think he's the way. last time you will see Dirk <laughs> De Beer in Formula One. Yeah. Unless Minardi come back, possibly. <laughs> Williams, head of Aero, has left the team after a disappointing start to the season. Dirk De Beer. Uh, who joined the Dirk team De Beer, from... go and have a beer. Uh, has joined the team from Ferrari, actually, previously. So, you know, he's he's been he's been around. Uh, has gone as, as their chief designer, Ed Wood, uh, who left earlier in the in the year so big changes as I say from top to bottom at a proper you know strategic level mm. um, yeah it and... doesn't help a team does it when they when you've hired your fire the guy who designed the the chassis and then you fire fire the guy who did the arrow you just look at it and just go there's not really very much left on this car is there no, really no, do, we, not at all. do we still have the guy who makes the seat <laughs> well then you're just left with Mercedes engine which is the best yep. part of that car and not much else four wheels but, Four Which apparently weeks. they couldn't even deal with. Couldn't even get us. There you go. It's just madness. Yeah. I mean, and I've started the season being critical of the team and particularly critical of their driver lineup choice because I thought, you know, a poor car isn't going to get any better with poor drivers. And now I don't even, I just feel really bad for Sorokin and Stroll. Like, they're... I feel sorry for Stroll because you can hear it week after week after week. Like, he started the, the season fairly, you know, you know, fairly upbeat about the fact that the car wasn't great, but it was getting on. And in the middle of this race, when he got at the start where he got his puncture and his radio message was like, there's something wrong with the car. I don't know what it is. Something, <laughs> I think, I think you know, something's gone. I've no idea. There is something wrong with the car. Tell me there's something wrong with the car. It's just like, it was just a man who was just like, I don't even know anymore. It was a lap what. down. It was a lap down at one point And they said, oh, you know, do this, do that, Stroll. And he was like, on the radio, he was just like, what, what, what is the point? He actually yeah. said, why am I point? even racing? Why am I even racing right now? And he's, he was, he's a lap down around Monaco where you can't make up any positions. Just what is, what is the point? Like, and what, what you, you might as well just take the mileage on the, en- yeah, on the engine. If that's Catalonia, you stick him out there and go, well, do 50 laps and we'll get some decent data. What's the point in doing that around Monaco? Like, you know, so. Um, no, you're ultimately <laughs> hoping there for like, the, the most thing, yeah. to fucking explode and rain lava down and take out <laughs> 15 other cars so that, and hope that you you'll you know as the last but you were so far behind everybody else that it missed you and you, you can finish the race nothing nothing they can do nothing Sorokin and Stroke can do St- stick uh, Seb and Lewis and Fernando in that car and they're not getting much more out no. of it the no they're really not the team's knackered from top to bottom and I'm not really sure what the solution is obviously finance which we've talked quite a lot about they need they need money they need to find a way of generating money whether it's sponsorship or investment whatever that has to come but even beyond that like they, the, per- the key personnel at that team is obviously wrong at the moment and it looks like they're trying to replace it you know they've got rid of the designer and the aero guys and stuff and it's going to take a serious bit of time to get that team where it should be. It's remarkable to think this is a team that we're getting regular podiums, what, two, three seasons ago at the most? The Mercedes' biggest challenge, wasn't it, in, yeah. in, in the first first season of the the hybrids? And, and the Mercedes is still good. The, the Mercedes engine is still good, you know. The Ferrari and the Renault has improved and p- potentially gotten you know on a par or significantly closer to it. But there's no reason why that Williams should be anywhere near where it is. And it, it's the chassis, it's the aero, it's the, the car, it's the bits that they've built basically, and um, 
yeah, they need to fix it. And it's not going to happen this season now. This season's done. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what, I don't have any confidence that it will happen next season either. It might do, it might not. But at the moment, I've, I was having a bet for them to come last again next season, Constructors. Yeah. I probably would, yeah. Because the Cyber guys, are, the Cyber are a team on the up, you know? Cyber have just hired the ex-Ferrari era, era yeah. haven't they? Or something like that, or engineer. That today. It's like... Which suggests, you know, more integration between Ferrari and Sauber as a sort of junior team. Yep. Um, so they're going to continue to improve. It's with Ferrari patting them on the back and helping them along the way. Yeah, becoming um, the sort of... Um... We know the relationship with Haas. Yeah. We've got Toro Rosso. So Williams are going to have to go a huge way just to even get level with these guys, you know? Um. I loved, I quite enjoyed the fact that Sorokin got a 10 second stop go and then almost got the same penalty again for, for working, working on, on the car. car. And yes. the thing I was just like, oh, the whole please. thing was just on <laughs> That's the steward equivalent of going, the steward's going, I said, don't touch that. <laughs> and what happened to Stroll? He, he tagged the barrier, I think, and got a puncture. Uh, he got a puncture off of something. I'm yeah. not sure what it was. And then just oh, never came. He, he made like three or four pit stops didn't he yeah he put on two two new sets of ultra softs or something ridiculous during <laughs> yeah. the race because they clearly just thought well why the hell not you know what, what else is there to do here yeah that was the worst performance um there won't be a, there won't be a worst team performance all season than that that's for sure i don't think it a short of yeah short of t- two drivers taking each other out at the first corner but even then like that's the drivers being stupid it's not the team as a whole, <laughs> doing something yeah. mad, you know, like just as yeah. a team, as a whole, every person in that team can be disappointed this weekend, you know. <laughs> yeah. Go so home and think about what you've the, done. Um, what do we do for the standings then? Lewis is still top, fourteen points clear of Seb, is it, which is good. I mean, in terms of the championship, it's kind of a good result because it helps Daniel catch up, which. Yep theoretically keeps the other two on their toes a little bit, although I still think they're far enough ahead to not worry too much. Um, a couple of interesting little tidbits. Um, Daniel Ricardo has the exact same amount of wins this season as both Seb and Lewis. They've all got two each. So <laughs> on that basis, you could say he's in the championship hunt. I think we both agree that long-term, he probably isn't. But as it stands, he's, he's certainly in there punching under Bernie's old uh, medal system. With uh, was it golds for wins and silvers for seconds and things like that? Yeah, He'd probably be in there with a fighting chance. Um, he's got as many wins as, as anybody else, and two more than than Max. But also, it's interesting that Valtteri, Kimi, and Max have none. Ricardo, Vettel, and Hamilton all have two. You know what do we say about number one and number two drivers? I think already it's looking yeah. clear as day. Um, Fernando best of the rest, although we. Never got home in Monaco. One of the only guys not to get home. Yeah, uh, interesting from a from a uh, a Monaco point of view on that one. I guess that usually you would expect, you know, about a third of the field to have smashed into some something or somebody. Um, yeah, it's McLaren's first non-scoring race of the season as well, which is possibly not something everybody was expecting. I mean, um, say what you like about McLaren, but that's obviously progress given where they've been for three yes. seasons. That's 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 huge progress, really. Um, I don't know what happened to Van Dorn this um, this race, though. Just he he was fine in qualifying. He was really matching Fernando, and um, 
There's only a couple of places behind him on the grid, really. Uh, and sudden, somewhere, something happened to him after the start and he lost some places. And he literally never made them back up. It was f- essentially like about 14th the entire race. Um, that was I couldn't, a problem. I couldn't work so, out what. so difficult to make up any ground that if he did happen to lose, lose a couple... No, I mean, I suppose that's probably true. It's just, um, it's just a shame because uh, now people are questioning Stoffel in the car, and I, I kind of, kind of have to go. Look, do you know what I mean? The guy was at least as impressive as Charles Leclerc in F two when he came in, um, and you know, score points on his F one debut. Don't you know? Don't write him off now, uh, and certainly don't expect to see Lando Norris suddenly appear in the car next season. It's not, you know. A, they can't do that because they can't afford to lose Stoffel because they've literally no idea what Fernando Alonso is going to do. And I think Fernando Alonso knows necessarily what Fernando Alonso is going to do next year or next race even, possibly. Um, Yeah, he he wasn't impressed um, with this weekend, was he? Well... A couple of comments after the race. (laughs) um, Alluding to watching the Indy, which he said he was going to thoroughly enjoy watching a race. (laughs) You know... Yeah, um, he was on. He was on fine form from a SAS point of view. Was our Fernando? Well, hardly surprising, really, after that kind of race. It's, it's <laughs> I won't to bring him out. I think I liked his tweet or whatever, wherever or liked the article. You know, he was. I agreed with him. Um, yeah. Honorable mentions this weekend: Ocon. Um, oh yeah, I was just going to say Force India, who I expected nothing of this weekend. Uh, were really good, and Perez was doing fine until yeah, his pit per- stop and then getting pushed so far back down. Perez gets a point, at least one point, maybe a couple more, if if he doesn't have the pit stop trouble, mm. um, for sure. Um, and Alcon, yeah, was uh, was, was really good all weekend. Was really solid. I'm so I'm warming. I mean, I was already warm, Alcon, but every week I just look at this guy and think, yep, I like him a lot. I want to see him in a in a top car. When Kimi goes, when Seb goes, and when Lewis goes, and these guys disappear, and we're left with Ocon, Leclerc, Max. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys in there that are they're making me excited, you know, going forward. And and nice segue into the guy right behind Ocon, which was Pierre Gasly. Another good weekend for him. So Yeah, decent decent win. I mean th- these are the these are the weekends that Toro Rosso need to take advantage of. Do you know what I mean? It's the the freaks of, of Bahrain and Monaco and stuff where um they're not going to be found out in pure to pure racing, um, you know, car to car, that they can take a take a position do reasonably well in qualifying and then sort of maintain that and hope for, for changes around in front of them. Um, yeah. And Gasly seems to be racing really well. Do you know what I mean? He, he looked, again, another another case in point to say that, you know, a, a ladder up into the teams is, you know, the best way to do it. And he did GP2, won it. Uh, and then when there wasn't a race seat, he didn't just sort of sit around and, you know, be the... Um, you know the reserve driver uh, he was off doing super formula in, in fact finished his season with super formula rather than do some f1 drives and i think that you know i think that again goes to show that uh that little education just helps you main, maintain better focus i agree 100 percent agree um yep good weekends for for gasly and a good weekend for renault double points finish eighth and ninth eighth and tenth I mean, I say a good weekend. Realistically, they'd have been hoping for sixth probably there. But you know. I think they wanted to be best of the rest, but they didn't yeah. ever really look like it. And in a lot of ways, the the um, the McLaren with Fernando Alonso in it certainly looked like it was probably closer to being 
best of the rest, but really it probably turned out to be Force India, didn't it? I think certainly, and the res- that's what the results have said anyway. Ocon got got the highest up, but a, a, two, a double point finish for for Renault is still you know not to be. Oh, well, they, they, they'll absolutely be. I think they'll be very happy with that, and I think Sainz will be happy that he he's outqualified Hulkenberg twice in a row because I think those are the little sort of victories that that he needs to keep himself you know um, going in the in whilst he's in that sort of state of flux at Renault. So. All good, really. In, in, all good for the drivers, just not very good for the fans, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think that kind of nicely wraps up our race review. I think we've managed to eke every single piece <laughs> of discussion point we could out of, out of that race weekend. Um, thanks very much for tuning in, guys. Uh, next up in your playlist should hopefully be the uh, hashtag F1 Banter Show, uh, where we are going to talk uh, about Monaco. <laughs> but not this race, just Monaco in general, which should be a lot more interesting. So we'll hope you'll join us for that one. Uh, so again, thanks for me. Thanks on behalf of Sean, and we will see you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.